Welcome to the Gateworld Podcast. You are listening to Episode 9 of the Gateworld Podcast. Thanks for tuning in this week. Head over to www.gateworld.net to find the latest Stargate news, interviews, spoilers, and more. In this week's podcast, we're talking about the cancellation of Stargate Atlantis, which was announced a couple of weeks ago. We'll also talk about the new third series in the Stargate franchise, Stargate Universe, which has the green light for a 2009 premiere. And we're going to debrief David about his recent trip to Vancouver for GateCon 2008. This show may cause drowsiness, so do not operate heavy machinery while listening. The GateWorld Podcast starts right now. My name is Darren Sumner, and joining me here is my partner in crime, Professor David T. Reed. Yes, a doctorate in, in Stargate Studies, PhD, all that jazz. Nerdology. <laughs> Nerdology. I like that. I like that a lot. You were up at GateCon last week, and we were running short on time in last week's podcast, so we made you wait, but uh, I want to hear about your trip. Oh, man, it was good. I forgot how much I work at GateCons. Mm-hmm. Uh, at uh, creation, the creation events, you know, your responsibilities are are uh, to take pictures, yes, and do interviews, yes. But pretty much the rest of that you can throttle back and uh, and enjoy the event. But at GateCon, they work me. Mm-hmm. And uh, every, from 8 o'clock in the morning to about 1 o'clock in the morning, I would go, go, go because – my job at GateCon was to document the entire event from top to bottom. So if anything was happening, I had to be there for it. And this is this is coming from the perspective of a volunteer, not an attendee in the general terms. So I can't speak for the attendees. I'm sure they had a blast. I certainly had a blast. Now tell us for our listeners who don't necessarily know what GateCon is, how does this differ from a, a typical Stargate convention? The official Stargate conventions are profit-based. They do have their charity events, but the, for by and large, I mean they are they are profit-oriented. GateCon is a non-profit, and after they've paid for hotel expenses and things like that, everything else goes to charity. All of their auctions are exclusive to charity. This year's event was dedicated to the Sea Shepherd Conservatory, uh, helmed by a man by the name of Captain Paul Watson. And uh, they are planning to shut down basically the Japanese whaling organizations. So that was uh, the big wow. point of this particular event. Yeah. Sea Shepherd, th- their main goal is to uphold international law when it comes to the oceans and the animals that live in it. And uh, that was what this year's convention was dedicated to. And they raised a lot of money. I know I know one auction alone raised at least $39,000, one of the auctions. So, wow, that's and that, that's that yeah, Richard his entire weekend, uh, Richard Dean Anderson was was the main guest and his entire weekend all of the money that he would have made, he passed along to uh Sea Shepherd, his photos, his his autographs. He did a limited number of 200 autographs, so uh-huh. not every attendee got to get one. 
Most people don't even get to see Richard Dean Anderson at a convention. He doesn't do a whole lot of them, does he? No, he doesn't. You know, uh, he's not a for-profit kind of guy. You know, uh, GateCon set out to um, to bring him aboard, and they uh, wanted to dedicate uh, their event to a cause that that he is passionate about. And he and Wiley had a blast. Mm-hmm. They had an Wiley's absolute blast. Wiley is his daughter. Uh, who's almost 10 years old, maybe 10 by now. They had a marvelous time. So Amanda Tapping paid Rick a visit on Sunday. Bunch of other guests were there. Corin Nemec, Colin Cunningham, one of our favorites, Andy Frizzell, and just uh, some wonderful people. Uh, talked with a number of folks that uh, we haven't had a word with before, including uh, Peter Williams and Michael Greenberg, Jan Newman, who I finally got to sit down for an interview. She had so much fun. We talked with her for almost a half hour. She had a lot to say. Mm-hmm. Jan's been on the show for a long time. She's the makeup artist? Yes, she was with uh, MacGyver. Yeah. And we also talked with Mr. Barry Campbell, the man single-handedly responsible for introducing Stargate to the Arctic. So anyone who liked Continuum has him to thank, and uh, we'll be posting his interview pretty soon. Cool. We know you've got a lot of interviews. We're looking forward to seeing them pumped out on GateWorld over the next few weeks. Oh, yeah. I'm looking forward to getting them out, too, (laughs) because I want to do more. It was an extremely successful event for Sea Shepherd and for the fans, you know, who finally got to see Richard. And he was in full form. He had a blast with that crowd. He said at the end of the event, at Avalon, he felt confined. This was fun. And that's exactly (laughs) what he said. It was great. And I cannot get away without mentioning the lovely, lovely Ruby Fleming Davis, Mm -hmm. uh, who visited on Sunday and basically gave a a testimonial to the response that the overwhelming response that she received from Don's community. She had over 100,000 emails in his passing. And she said she couldn't think she couldn't respond to them all, so she decided to come to this event and basically say thank you to all to as many fans as she could. As was published in the news story, she she went down to Don's memorial in the dealer's room and, and had some time there, and it was beautiful. It was really beautiful, and that that was reflective of the entire event. It was it was a family reunion. Yeah. I do want to give uh, thanks to uh, the C3, Alan and Richard and Friend, uh, for inviting me to come back and film. Uh, I, I take it they were satisfied with my work from 2004, and I was more than happy to come back and document it. And uh, because of that, you're going to see a feature-length film on GateCon – uh, once it's approved by GateCon, that'll be published exclusively on GateWorld. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you'll be seeing that in a couple of months. I'm, I don't want to give it a specific date because a lot of other things have to come into play before then, but it'll be published on GateWorld sooner or later. And it's got footage with everyone, a lot of it with Richard Dean Anderson and a lot of his little his hijinks while on the stage. I mean, Wiley often would sit off to the side and would heckle him on stage, <laughs> you know, across the room. They, <laughs> I don't know if it was good or bad, but they would occasionally give her a microphone. It was just a great time. You know, it was a really great event. That's great. We've got uh, lots of photos from GateCon online right now that you took, and we'll keep our eyes open for all those interviews and for GateCon the movie. Stargate News. Here are your headlines from GateWorld for September the 2nd, 2008. The cast and crew of Stargate Atlantis have been nominated for four Gemini Awards this year. The award is considered to be the Canadian equivalent of the Emmy Awards, recognizing the best in television produced in Canada. 
Jewel State has been nominated in the Best Actress category for her role as Dr. Jennifer Keller, specifically for the Season 4 episode, Missing. Alan McCullough was nominated for the Best Writing Award this year for his episode, Tabula Rasa. Todd Masters and his team received a nod for Best Achievement in Makeup for the aged Rodney McKay in The Last Man, and Mark Savella and the visual effects team have been recognized in the visual effects category for last season's premiere, Adrift. Visit GeminiAwards.ca for a complete list of this year's nominees. The awards will be presented on November 28th. At last week's GateCon convention in Vancouver, Stargate fans were treated to a very special stage appearance by Ruby Fleming Davis, wife of the late Don S. Davis. Don played General George Hammond on Stargate and died of a heart attack in June. Ruby took the stage to express her heartfelt thanks for the outpouring of love and support from the Stargate fan community. She told the crowd that in the days following Don's passing, she received more than 100,000 emails. Fans were extremely moved by the event, which included a slideshow tribute to the life of Don Sinclair. Claire Davis. The newest issue of the official Stargate magazine is now on newsstands. The September-October issue includes interviews with the entire cast of Stargate Atlantis. That's Joe Flanagan, David Hewlett, Rachel Luttrell, Jason Momoa, Robert Picardo, and Jewel State. Our own David Reed also catches up with actor Rainbow Sun Franks in this issue and talks about life after Lieutenant Aiden Ford. Look for the 100-page special issue now at Borders, Barnes & Noble, and other major booksellers. And finally, there's a new trilogy of novels on the way set in the Stargate universe. Author Stephen Seville is currently working on the Iblis, or Ibli, trilogy, set during the fifth season of Stargate SG-1. In a new interview with GateWorld's Sean Farrell, he talks about the challenges of writing for established characters who already have well-developed voices and personalities. And he promises the story will deliver a long arc that only a trilogy can do, and that it will be a publishing event not to be missed. Seville also revealed the titles of the three books, Shadows, Shapeshifter, and Trickster. The first book will be out in early 2009. GateWorld Features GateWorld's brand new interview with David Hewlett is now online. In last week's podcast, we played you a clip from this one, in which David talks candidly about the cancellation of Stargate Atlantis and what he's looking forward to in the future. We go all the way back to David's casting in the show five years ago, and talk about why Rodney is such a fun and challenging character for him to play. This is an audio interview with a complete transcript, also available for your reading pleasure. And if you're a fan of Atlantis, I think you simply can't miss this one. And coming to the website later this week is our newest video interview with actor Chuck Campbell. Chuck plays one of the control room technicians on Stargate Atlantis, and GateWorld sat down with him at the Creation Convention in Vancouver this past spring. Here's an exclusive preview. If you had your say, um, some some in fun, but some in, uh, mostly in honesty, what would you like to see this character do this year, if you had your say? If I had my say, hmm, I would like, okay, let's just fly it out here. I would love it if he went bad. Yeah. And they uh, put it in the story that this whole time I was there. Oh, you were a spy. I was a spy. Oh. And I was a replicator. I'm the one who's communicating with Weir's character, who's the replicator. So I have the codes, and I have all the gate addresses. (laughs) And then I get to wear a vest, and then I would get to, like, hold a gun and do some bad stuff and shoot some stuff down the hall. I would love to do something like that where that character just goes, whoop! Visit GateWorld.net this week for the complete video interview. 
And finally, we're just about ready to lift the veil off our new Stargate Universe launch section. It's not quite done, but if you'd like an early peek now, just point your browser to gateworld.net slash universe. Here you'll find all the latest news headlines and special features that are specific to the new television series, plus the very first entry in the new Season 1 episode guide. We've also opened up an area of GateWorld Forum that is dedicated to Stargate Universe, and so far it already has more than 100 active threads. There's definitely much, much more to come on Stargate Universe in the future, so stay tuned. You're listening to the GateWorld Podcast. The main discussion. There was, of course, no new episode of Stargate Atlantis on this past week, so we've got another very special discussion topic today. There's been big news in the Stargate universe, and David and I are talking about the cancellation of Atlantis, the green light for Stargate universe, and our general thoughts on the state of the franchise heading into 2009. David, what were your initial reactions to this news last week? Well, you have to keep in mind, I had just gotten into Vancouver and was suffering from a bit of jet lag. And I'm on the phone with my parents, and you contact me and say, Atlantis has been canceled. And I had a flashback to when SG-1 was canceled. I was driving down the interstate, and you called. And both times, both instances, my heart sank into my stomach. And I'm my initial re- delivering bad news to you, aren't I? You well, you know what? You're, you're well connected, and I immediately went downstairs and told everyone at GateCon because I couldn't be the only one whose day was soiled. It just hit hard, but I, I will say it did not hit as hard as SG One, and I th- I think most fans who have been watching since SG One will probably agree with with me on that. I won't say all of them. I won't be that presumptuous, but when it comes down to it, Atlantis has had half the number of episodes as SG-1 has to to get in our minds and in our hearts and you know it's, it's still it's still a Stargate property and it's still been cancelled but to alleviate a lot of that pain you know it's it's immediately going on there's not going to be a like a six or eight month period of oh what do we do you know should we petition for an online series you know like we did last time we know exactly what's going to happen with this show but still you know cancellation the, the fact that we're now going to get if we're lucky maybe one or two or three stories a year as opposed to 20 you know that kind of sucks yeah i would have to agree that the cancellation of sg1 was definitely a bigger shock because at that point, the producers had gotten two years into the Ori story arc. They had plans for a, an 11th season of the show. And the numbers were doing respectable. I think we were all kind of expecting that the show was going to get another year. And then it didn't. And it, it felt like we were really, really shortchanged. A lot of fans yeah. of Atlantis feel the same way here, that the show has just been cut short. It's been cut off in its prime. I think, uh, you know, I mean, well, Brad told you specifically, you know, this this was a strategic decision. Yeah. This was this was not a fumble. No one dropped the ball. This was this was deliberate. And, you know, that's fascinating for, in one respect. You know, oh, yeah. this is going to be very interesting to see if this if this strategy works. You know, you as, know, as television fans and as science fiction fans, we are so used to our shows getting canceled. It, it seems like a year does not go by that a favorite sci fi show doesn't get the axe. Uh, And this explanation that Brad gave about wanting to end Atlantis when it was on a high so that it still had a really strong general audience to do movies, uh, because movies are very important to Brad, that explanation kind of 
turns the whole experience on its head because we don't have a network to be mad about. We don't have ratings to argue about whether or not they they would have supported another season. The decision was made really on a on a completely different basis, other than than ratings and and what the network needs. Yeah, we're 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 pretty used to griping at, at someone in particular and petitioning and sending letters. You know, that's that's how we operate as fans. You know, when when we're when there's something that we don't like, we speak up. You know, because we're passionate about it. And in this case, there's no one to complain to because everyone has the exact same idea in mind. So. Uh, it's going to be interesting going forward to see just what happens. You know, see how many of these Atlantis fans stay on board, and uh, yeah. and at some stage support the um, support the films. Yeah. You know? There have been a number of petitions that have arisen online in the last couple of weeks since the show was canceled, and so far we haven't covered any of them at GateWorld. I'm thinking about maybe doing one news story that kind of covers what fans are doing out there. But as far as fan petitions go, it's it's exactly what you said. There's really no one to convince to do otherwise because the show's producers and the studio that owns the franchise, MGM, and the network all sort of came to this decision together as, as the next yeah. step as to what's best for the franchise and what's best even in their minds for the Atlantis brand. You know, I I only have one concern out of this, and it's a very minor concern, but it is but it is a concern that um, we're going to get into this mode of of DVD movies, and we're not going to really set our sights any higher than that. I mean, it, say Universe doesn't do so well in its first couple of years, you know, then we're going to want to push it aside and do DVD movies with it. My fear is that Arc of Truth and Continuum did so well financially that the powers that be will look at the, the financial gain a little bit more than the health of the franchise. If, am I getting that across right? You know, because, I mean, the DVD movies, they did very well financially, you know, but I, th- I think we need we need to ask ourselves, are DVD movies what are in the best interests of the franchise, not just because they made money? Now, are you concerned about the TV shows getting cut off in their prime because the DVD movies are... I'm afraid that, that they may ultimately look at DVD movies as a quick fix, where the show's not doing so successful in its, in its television form, so let's go ahead and give it a DVD movie and a chain of DVD movies, you know, and I, I completely understand that shows are around to bring in revenue. Yeah. I just hope that story and character development and really what's best for a television series as a whole is considered before just sending it up to the next level of DVD movies. Yeah, and when you first started talking about this topic, what I what I kind of sensed you were maybe getting at was theatricals. If we're satisfied with DVD movies, does that mean that we're not going to press ahead and try and get another Stargate on the big screen? Yeah, that's a fear of mine too. You know, a common uh, mindset in this industry is to play it safe. You know, we have something that works, so let's not break it. Well, uh, some fans have have made a very legitimate criticism about the decision to move Atlantis to DVD movies. I think, which is that. We start as fans of the television show, and we are television viewers, and we want to see our favorite characters on television 20 or 22 times a year. And yeah, I mean, we buy DVDs and we like movies too, but they are two very different mediums. Just because I would love to see Stargate on the big screen or to see a a two-hour Stargate adventure doesn't necessarily mean that, that I would want that instead of a television show. Yeah, all the time. Right, exactly. I can't even believe I'm going to say this. I don't like to watch television when it airs. 
I like to watch it when I want to watch it. But in fairness to what they're trying to do with these DVD movies, you know, the, those are specifically designed without commercials. And I can go to the store and buy it, and I can watch it whenever I want. You know, so that's something that I'm really looking forward to in that respect. You know, it's going to be this self-contained couple hours of television with amazing visual effects, a decent budget, and it's designed for my home entertainment center. Whereas a lot of television stations, sci-fi is beginning to be like this, but a lot of television stations are not. You know, and Stargate, if there is any show out there that deserves that kind of fidelity when you watch it, that is Stargate Atlantis. And that's one of the things that I'm looking forward to about the DVD release. Yeah, I was really excited about Arc of Truth and Continuum, and I think they turned out really great, and it's a great way to continue on a show that has been canceled. The network's made it that. Is. Sci-Fi Channel made that decision to end SG-1, but you know what? Sci-Fi Channel can't end SG-1, because MGM and the producers want it to go on, and they want to tell more stories. Uh, and the fans want them to tell the stories, even more importantly. We, we still watch. We still care, you know? Yeah. This is something that came up in my interview with Brad a couple of weeks ago, which is that Stargate doesn't write towards a definitive end. It, it's not like a Lost or a Battlestar or a Babylon 5 that has a beginning, a middle, and an end, and then the story's over. SG-1 is not that, Atlantis is not that, and Stargate Universe is not going to be that. They've specifically designed this franchise, whether you think it's a great idea or, or a horrible idea, They've specifically designed this franchise to be an open playground that they can continually tell stories in. There is no end. You know, I heard him say that, and I'm really interested to hear what you think of that. I think that as a fan of TV, it's something that I have to take a step back and, and try and wrap my brain around, because these are my favorite shows that I'm talking about, Lost and Battlestar and Babylon 5. And you really expect that when a television show is doing an arc story over the course of several years, that, of course, you want to have some big payoff. You want to see the ghoul defeated once and for all at the end of the show. You want to see the wraith defeated once for all at the end of the show. Mm -hmm. So The whole point of an arc is that it has an end. Yeah, and as long as those arcs continue to be paid off, I think it's great. I, I want to see Stargate go on and on for years because I'm a... I'm a franchise fan, which is something that I want to talk about here in a few minutes. So we do get payoff in Season 8 of SG-1 in episodes like Reckoning and Threads and Mobius. We do get to see the downfall of the Gould and the fact that that fundamentally changes the Stargate universe. I'd love to see the downfall of the Wraith someday, but we know it's not going to happen this year. Yeah. Well, all I can say is, in, in my opinion, from what I've grown up with and what I've watched, the best stories have endings. And I, I hope that that doesn't mean, you know, we're, we're, we're going from one year to the other and, and every year we come in at the beginning of the season and, and say, now, what do we want to write about this year? You know, there, there's, something very, there's something very structured, very full circle to me about, you know, coming in and saying, this is what we're going to do this year. This is the last year of the show and this is how we want everything to end. You know, I really, I'm a hopeless romantic when it comes to that. You know, I really like that. Um, so... You know, I'm going to stay on board with them, and I'm going to continue to watch. But as long as they bring closure before they open up something new, I'm game for that. Yeah. Take Battlestar Galactica, for example. Battlestar is ending with four seasons, and a lot of us think that there are a whole lot more stories that could be told, but the show is being brought to its natural conclusion. There's going to be an end point with season four. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, some of us may be upset with the producers and with Ron Moore for ending it and not leaving this open door, but that's my point is that's the opposite approach of, of what Stargate is taking. They're continually leaving the door open. So we might be a little upset with the fact that the powers that be are ending Battlestar, but at least we can we can recognize that the producers are doing this. They're telling their complete story. They're telling the end of their story. So we don't feel like we've been left hanging or like the show has been cut off at the knees. Because Stargate doesn't write towards an end, we're always going to feel, whether a show goes five years or ten years or two years, we're always going to feel like it got cut off when there was more to do. Yeah, that's true. But I think there is something to be said for knowing when to quit. I don't think that that Stargate should be like Battlestar in the slightest. That's not the kind of programming that it is, you know, even though I love both. You know, Stargate is obviously one thing. Battlestar is very much something else. Uh, so they shouldn't operate similar. And I, and I really take issue with, with anyone who, who tries to compare the two because they're not from the same branches of the tree of sci-fi. You know, they, they really aren't. They're two different types of shows. Yeah. Let's listen to one of our listener calls this week about this subject of Brad's explanation for ending the show while it's on a high. Hi, my name is Linda from Manchester, New Hampshire. I just wanted to let everyone know I am a viewer who came upon Stargate Atlantis because of the writer's strike. I am happy I came upon it because it is a great show. I was very upset when I heard the cancellation. I was really getting into the show. I had gotten all the episodes so I could catch myself up on them. Uh, I just feel that to capitalize on that whole writer's strike situation, I believe the studio or whoever made that decision, MGM Sci-Fi, uh, should have given it another season to let people like me settle in. Um, would have gotten more viewers, I'm sure. And um, Atlantis will always have a movie audience because the fans are passionate about the show, so I don't believe it would matter whether it was uh, now or six or seven season. I think Atlantis would always have the movie viewers. Thanks for that call. Now, one thing that I think is really interesting in this one is she makes the argument that season five, season six, season seven of Atlantis, the viewers are not going to go anywhere. And so even if the show had another year to see the end coming and wrap it up, the, the viewers would still be there and ready for a movie. Yeah, it's that's that's a great comment. You know, you, you we rarely hear from brand new fans. You know, that's that's. I think she does have some interesting points. Let's move on and talk about Stargate Universe now. One of the things that has caused great amount of consternation among fans is this comment that uh, was made originally in the press release, and that sci-fi executives like David Howe have elaborated on a little bit. Is that Stargate Universe is going to be aimed at a younger audience? Yes. What do you this think is that true. Means? I was among many of the of the short-sighted fans in the beginning uh, who immediately thought Stargate 90210. Yeah. You know, when they say younger audience, but then I talked to you and you explained it to me. I mean, we were thinking. I was thinking like in the episode 200. You know, not extreme like that, where all the where it's just a a bunch of kids, you know, off in the galaxy and yeah, and I'm pregnant cool and all that. Teenage right. SG1. I wasn't thinking that, but I was certainly thinking like 20s. And then I had a conversation with you, and you explained what I hope you will reiterate for the podcast listeners. <laughs> well, I think that the basic gist of what I want to get across is that younger audience doesn't mean necessarily younger than you or younger <laughs> than me. Um, it means younger than the average audience member for Atlantis right now, which it's been said 
that the average viewer of Atlantis is about 47 years old versus the average viewer of a show like Battlestar Galactica is maybe early 40s, maybe around 42. So a younger audience and a show with a darker tone like Battlestar, we're not talking about Stargate Nano 210. We're not talking about casting it with teenagers or people even in their 20s. Um, we're talking about trying to bring the average audience age down a few years, which I think Atlantis's cast is probably in their 30s and maybe early 40s. Uh, I think we're probably talking about more like actors in their 20s or 30s, uh, and and a tone that is a little bit darker, not nearly as dark as Battlestar. It's been it's been iterated time and time again by by Brad and the producers, but it's not it's not Stargate for the WB. Yeah. I mean, just think about it. Like, like I had to eventually sit down and think about it. I mean, that wouldn't work. Look at Stargate Infinity. You know, <laughs> it didn't work. Let's be honest, people. Yeah, younger. I, mean, I own it because I'm a completist. But right. <laughs> you know, I have faith in the producers in Vancouver, and as I've said before, I'm an eternal optimist. So, younger audience does not mean kids it doesn't mean teenagers and it doesn't mean that they are stupid enough to alienate their audience they know that stargate fans are used to a certain product and like a certain product and i think they're going to continue to deliver that product but they're going to do something different which is what you and i have been saying for years this is whenever the next thing comes whenever universe or the next iteration of the franchise comes it needs to be different it needs to take some risks and pack a punch and maybe take a different take and i think going for a different audience is a a good move people who started with sg1 in 1997 are now 11 years older 12 years by the time universe gets here next year so trying to shave a few years off the average audience member is a great idea otherwise by the time stargate universe is in its fifth season the average audience member is going to be in her 50s Mm -hmm. yeah i think it's a good idea and like I said before, I, I didn't when I when I first thought of it. But um, upon further reflection and, and meditation, I, I think that it's uh, I think that it's a good call. Let's play one of our listener calls on this topic. Hello, I'm Terry. I live in Phoenix, Arizona. I am saddened to hear about Stargate Atlantis being canceled. It was my favorite television show. It is to me an insult to cancel a show to bring in a group of people in their late teens and early 20s. Uh, Many of the show's loyal viewers are in our 30s and 40s. I feel this is very insulting to me, as if to say I'm not important enough to the franchise. If I wanted to watch a teen show, I would watch Dawson's Creek or One Tree Hill. I am not going to be a viewer of Stargate Universe. That is insulting. Man, I appreciate her passion, but yeah. uh, we don't know anything yet. Uh, younger does not mean teen. You know, I, I think we just established this. You know, and I and um, I hope that she she takes Universe uh, a, a look at Universe once uh, once we find out what the heck. It's, it's going to be about. <laughs> you know, I mean, we have we have a long way to go. Uh-huh. When that comment went out in the press release, this was exactly what I was afraid would happen. Yeah. And I think overall, it's not right. You know, we, we really don't have any idea what this show is going to be about. But I appreciate her opinion. What I appreciate about what this caller said is is the concern that the producers may be abandoning the current viewer base of Stargate, which I think is is important to say. We're going to talk to Brad here again about Stargate Universe specifically. 
hopefully in the next few weeks. And one of the things that I am hearing from him so far, if you listen to our last interview, is that they take the fans seriously and they're they're moving to a new show uh, with the hope that fans are going to come along. They, they don't want to abandon anyone. They don't want anyone to feel like like they're getting left out. Yeah. I think we'll, and we've already said this before, and I hope we talk about it again in this this next portion of the the discussion. How how vital it is to to keep the franchise alive. How important it is to change things a little. I'm not saying do 180 degree change, but I'm saying you know taking it down a few different paths that uh, that it hasn't really explored altogether or fleshed out more. You know, like a more character driven show. I cannot tell you how how happy i am that universe is going to be more character based oh, you know no. but i really don't think it's going to be oh the colonel's sleeping with the with the base commander again <laughs> and, and i'm and i'm all alone out here in the hallway listening to them you know it's not going to be that it's just not going to be that yeah sappy music so. playing over the over oh my gosh no uh, and if it is i'm gone <laughs> We will not shy away from criticizing the show if it turns out to be to be that. I will not shy away from that. <laughs> I am really excited about this show. I am really excited about the idea of it of it being a little bit more character based and a little bit darker in tone. I'm really excited about one of the statements that the network has made so far, which is that they want to have a show that uses storytelling from the 21st century as opposed to the 1990s. And I know that that's kind of confusing and and potentially insulting to some Atlantis fans, but Stargate has always had a certain way of approaching its stories, and it's great, and it's obviously made for my favorite TV shows. But But it can get predictable. After 12 years, it gets very predictable. And so you and I have these podcast discussions about the new episodes of Atlantis. And when I step back, I have to say, you know what? That was a really good episode, and it was really well produced. The production values are top-notch. The effects are great. The makeup's great. The acting's great. The story is interesting. I like what they're doing with the characters. But I kind of found it a little uninteresting because it was so predictable. Yeah. Because it's the sort of story that we've seen five times over the last 12 years. Yeah, I know. That's one of the things that's making me really excited about Stargate Universe is this suggestion that we've seen so far, and I hope it pans out, that they're really going to do something different, and they're going to take some risks, and they're going to look at the Stargate franchise from a little bit of a different vantage point. I'm truly praying that they will consider doing more mini-arc-based episodes. You know, I mean... Martin Garrow has has told me on numerous occasions they write for syndication because syndication desires flexibility. Sure. But I mean, if you look at the stations that are syndicating shows now, they syndicate in order. Oh yeah. You know, and you, you can still do arc based stories over several episodes, and the the networks will catch on to that and There's will air the no shows. There's no reason order. not to. And you know, some some arc based shows like Alias have done rather well in syndication. I don't mm-hmm. think that that's mm-hmm. that that's a good excuse anymore. Sure, if you want your show to be episodic, that that's fine. Make it what you want it to be. But yeah, I don't think syndication should be should be the end game anymore. Yeah, I don't think that should be the, like the chief reason why you do that. I mean, let's look at the episodes that we loved last year the most. Was it the episode where they went through the gate, got into a problem, got out of it again, or was it like the "Be All My Sins Remembered," where there was all this friggin' payoff, you know, from mm-hmm. numerous episodes of development? You know, that that was what was the most rewarding that's for my me favorite as a kind viewer. Of payoff. The friggin' payoff—that's yeah. my favorite kind. <laughs> Ow. 
Stargate Universe is going to be a ship-based show. Um, does this make it a Star Trek knockoff, do you think? Again, I think that that would be short-sighted to say that. I mean, a lot of fans are already saying Stargate Voyager. You know, I just – I don't understand <sighs> – they're not going to make Stargate Voyager. Now, it may have a lot of the same themes of Star Trek Voyager, you know, being lost. You know, that was Atlantis in the first season, for crying out loud. And that was very sure. compelling. Sure. I think they recognized that the first season of Atlantis had a tone that it lost when they became in contact with Earth. And that's one of the reasons they've decided to completely cut their ties of Earth, which is dangerous. There will ob- automatically be this longing for home mm. in, in the series, you know, a longing to get back to where we are now being earth namely but i think like like i'm with you you know i'm cautiously optimistic you know i i heard the word starship and i kind of shrieked you know <laughs> you know there's a reason that the show is called stargate and uh, i i hope that it continues that now whether the starship uses super gates or not or whether um, uh, there's a stargate inside the ship as well you know i mean who knows we just don't know that yet so i'm going to reserve judgment for as long as possible namely until the pilot comes out i, I i'm i'm excited I'm really excited about a ship-based show because, again, because it's different, because it's something that we haven't seen. But, like you said, this is Stargate, and we watch it because we like that that little ring and where it sends us. So I'm really hoping that the Destiny, the name of the ship that we're going to be on, is really connected to its Stargate in a very fundamental way. That the Stargate is even more fundamental to the show than it has been for Atlantis. Well, that was the first thing that they put out in the press release, you know, the ninth Chevron. And and to be fair, you know, Atlantis is also a great big starship. I look forward to seeing that in a series, you know, which incorporates both interstellar travel and and wormhole travel. You know, I think it's going to make some really interesting stories. And to be one of the things that I miss terribly about Stargate, I miss the episodes that were about the physics of the Stargate. Mm-hmm. And episodes that we we don't see them anymore. We don't see the a matter of times. We don't see and Atlantis, as far as I'm aware, did just one with uh, 38 minutes. You know where where there was a problem with the Stargate, and we had to solve that problem. You know we had we had to we had to some some there was some issue with Stargate physics yeah, that yeah. we had to solve. And we, you don't you don't see those episodes anymore because the gate's been explained. And I hope that this new television show will invite those ideas back in. I really do, because some those were some of my favorite episodes. Yeah, I absolutely agree. That's one of the things about Atlantis that has been starting to grow tiresome for me is the fact that we don't see the Stargate enough anymore. You know, if we see a puddle pass, we just jump up for joy. I mean, how cool would it be to see another story that's based on the Stargate? Fans who are a little bit wary of having a Stargate show based on a ship, I think, ought to look at other ship-based shows that are not Star Trek. Look at Battlestar Galactica and look at Firefly. These are ship-based shows that don't feel like Star Trek in the slightest. So I'm hoping that Stargate can really do a show based on a starship that doesn't feel like Star Trek in the slightest. You know, Star Trek had... Every time you turned around, the, the antimatter inducers and the flux capacitors are, are, are misaligned, and we have to get in with a, with a hydro spanner and a, and, you know, the, a bioneural gel pack and, and restabilize it before, mm-hmm. before 
deck 13 loses anti-gravity or whatever. I mean, Reverse the it was exactly, you know, that disconnected you from the characters. You know, you kind of felt like, OK, these people really don't live there. And that's what I loved about Firefly. You know, the, the, and we're the, saying the, the, as fans of Star Trek. Yeah, exactly. As fans of Star Trek. The, but the serenity felt lived in. The Galactica feels lived in. And that's one of the things that Stargate does. You know, it has a lot of techno babble as well. And that's one of the reasons that I'm looking forward to the character focus more in the um, in universe. And I hope, I hope that they make it a little bit more real as well. Yeah. Well, we're definitely excited about universe. Let's talk a little bit about the state of the Stargate franchise. Uh, with the cancellation of Atlantis, a lot of fans are saying that maybe Stargate is running out of steam. Maybe like Star Trek, it needs to go off the air for a while and, and sort of get the get the audience excitement energized again. So that's my first question. Is Stargate, by continuing on immediately into a third series, is it risking exhaustion or some sort of saturation of the market? I think there is always a risk. But we'll let the pilot speak for itself, and we'll let the ratings say what they're going to say, and we'll let the fans say what they're going to say too, you know, and and hopefully it'll be a perfect storm. One of the things that I think is absolutely necessary when they pick the cast for Universe mm-hmm. is that the producers look at the cast and see if they're gelling together. That was one of the things that I, that I felt was so amazing about SG-1. Chris, Amanda, and Michael found each other by themselves. Mm-hmm. And coincidentally, they were brought aboard. I've always thought of SG-1 as a family. They are, are an extension of my family and my home. They themselves are a family unto each other. Yeah. I have never, ever felt that Shepard's team was a family. I thought that they were friends. I thought that they cared about each other, even would risk life and limb to help one another. But I've never felt that they were a family, and I've always felt that the writers have forced them together. I, I would have to agree with that. They feel like coworkers, coworkers who have gotten to know each other well enough that they can occasionally – Watch a football game or have some popcorn or, or have a beer together. But but yeah. And and this is just me as a viewer, but every time that they that they try and bring them together, it feels artificial. That's just me, you know? And I look at SG one and, and Sam looks at Teal and I and I and I see everything that's there. You know, I see the years of backstory that's there for one. And also I see the chemistry that's there. And if Universe is going to succeed, it must do better on the character front than Atlantis did. It just has to. Better on the character front and better on the relationship front. This might come across as somewhat controversial, especially if you're a hardcore Atlantis fan. But Atlantis, as much as I love the show, has never had that spark that SG-1 had. And it's kind of hard to pin it down. Is it the for, for characters, you mean, right? Is it the yeah. relationships between the characters? Is it is it that you don't have an actor like Richard Dean Anderson? I mean, I love I love the cast. I think they do a fantastic job. I uh, do too. But Atlantis, for me, as, as much as I love the show, has never quite sparked like SG One did. SG One, when you have a cast like that that works so well together and works off of one another. I mean, even even at conventions, you see you see them look at each other and and they can just do something completely off the cuff, you know, that you wouldn't expect. That does not happen often in television. Mm-hmm. And to think that it could happen again for Atlantis just automatically, to, just to assume that it's going to happen is kind of naive. 
I think if it's going to happen on on Universe, they have to go out of their way to work on it and have a cast that's not going to change every season, you know, not add a different member. Something that's some a group that's going to hold together for six, seven years, you know, until the lead gets bored and decides to raise a family. <laughs> I said something earlier that I want to clarify, which is I called myself a franchise fan. Now, I've seen a lot of response to the cancellation of Atlantis and to the Greenlight for Universe over the last two weeks. And some fans have said, I am a fan of Stargate Atlantis. I have zero interest in the Stargate Universe. Even if it's a cool show, I'm not going to bother checking it out because I feel like my show has been canceled for it. Hmm. And then other people, like, like you and I, I think, are saying, okay, I'm sad to see Atlantis go, but I'm a fan of... Stargate in whatever form it may take, and I'm going to check out the new show and hope that it's as good as the product that these writers have been delivering to us for 12 years. Um, so, well, you can be a fan of a show, which is perfectly fine. I'm not, I'm not condemning that at all. Or you can be a fan of the franchise, and and you and I, I think, are pretty clearly fans of the franchise. So we're really excited about. Yeah, we're in it for the long haul. Yeah, you know, it, it would take a lot. It would have to take an awful lot to um to knock us out of out of interest for the for the show. When it comes down to it, I am a fan of that portal. You know, I'm a fan of that ring and the people who go through it. I could care less about really pretty much anything else, you know, the ships, the technology, you know, all that is cool. All that is eye candy. That's not why I watch. I know fans who watch it because of that. I think that's awesome, but it's not me. Let's listen to one more, uh, one more listener call. This one is optimistic, I think. Hi, my name is Tripp. I come from Philadelphia. I'm calling about the Stargate franchise. I think it is at its peak with all the new movies like Arc of Truth and Continuum. And the new one coming out of Atlantis, I really think that it's at its peak. Atlantis is going out on the top, and then Universe should be good. I really think it'll be good because it's based on an ancestral warship that's seeding Stargates. I really think it's at the top of its peak. It's better than ever, and I'm not so happy about Atlantis cancellation, but I really think that Atlantis will be going out on top, and it's the best that it's ever been. So is Stargate currently at a low point, or is it at a high point? It's, it's we're, um, we're all kind of in mourning right now because Atlantis is, is going away, so I think it's kind of hard to step back and see the forest for the trees. I think I think you said it right there. I'm I think when Stargate Universe is in like the middle of its uh, of its first season, I think we'll be able to then say um whether we're uh we're on a high point or a low point or a midpoint right now, you know, because basically where where I'm standing, I'm standing on a mountain. There's fog 10 feet in front of me, fog 10 feet behind me, you know, and it's early in the morning and only after I've journeyed a little bit further will the will the weather clear up and then I'll be able to see where I was at. Um hindsight's 2020 vision yeah. and I, I may be just I may be just a pansy for dodging your question, but I don't want to say whether we're at a high point or a low point right now. I think that's a good perspective. There's a whole lot, obviously, that's riding on Stargate Universe right now. Is it going to reinvent Stargate? Is it going to make Stargate cool again? Is it going to bring in tons of new viewers? Or is it going to prove the point of some critics that Stargate has just run out of gas and it's just going to be more of the same and the ratings numbers are going to continue to trend downward? Uh, I think you're right. Hopefully by the midpoint of season one, we're going to know if Stargate Universe is really firing on all cylinders and taking the franchise up to the next level. Yeah, and I think the um, the ratings numbers are going to trend downward. I really do. 
but it's not going to be just Stargate. It's going to be everyone, you know, and that is a problem for all of television. That is not just a Stargate problem, and I think we're pretty naive to think so. You know, that's just the way it is, you know, because you've got people like me who um, who insist on watching the show on my own time because that's the one, one of the reasons that I enjoy it as much as I do. Well, I certainly hope that fans like you and me are going to kind of stick it out and tune into the new show and just just evaluate it for what it is. Just give it a shot like you would any other television show. And if it's not good, if it's not something you like, then you don't have to come back and hopefully it is going to be a really great show. You know, yeah, you just wasted two hours of, of viewing. You know, there's nothing wrong with that. Give it a shot. And I think if you liked Stargate in any form in the past, you'd be shooting yourself in the, sh- in the foot by um, not at least tuning in for the pilot, no matter what it is, you know, because it could be really good. Call the GateWorld Podcast hotline now to record your feedback, questions, and opinions about Stargate. Just dial 616-712-1647 and leave a voicemail anytime, day or night. Long distance rates apply. Listener mail. Let's listen to some more voicemail that we've gotten on the GateWorld Podcast hotline. Then we'll get into some of the mail that listeners have left on the website. Hi, my name is Danielle, and I'm calling from California. I just want to say to the fans, just because this stupid sci-fi channel cancels Stargate does not mean it's gone forever. It'll live in fan fiction, movies. I think in the thing Darren and David posted, Brad Ryder, somebody said it's not going away. It's still going to be there. I'm sad, but I'm not going to be like the past because I know it's going to live forever. I'm going to start writing fan fiction now. I'm going to buy the DVDs. Hello, my name's Nicole. I'm calling from Burton, Michigan. I just want to make a comment about Stargate Atlantis being canceled. I think Stargate Atlantis is a, an excellent show with awesome, interesting characters, and I cannot believe that Sci-Fi is canceling it. It's the only show I watch on Sci-Fi, and after this, I won't be turning Sci-Fi on ever again. Hi, my name is Jeremy. I'm from Hillsboro, Oregon. It's obvious that the Sci-Fi Channel have not learned their lesson with the cancellation of Stargate SG-1, and so they've canceled Stargate Atlantis with good ratings. And even though I'm really excited for Stargate Universe and the Stargate Atlantis movie, it just hits really hard, and I don't think they've learned their lesson, and I hope they do. David, who's our first written letter from? We have a listener by the name of Noreen. I guess it goes without saying I'm very disappointed by the cancellation. I can't see any logical reason for it. Didn't they make enough money? Do they think a movie or a series of movies will be more successful? I think they're throwing away a show that has so much potential. SGA has great characters, amazing actors, and a good chemistry between the cast that carries over to the screen. I think sci-fi is crazy to let them go. Green writes in and says... Stargate Atlantis needs a final season. It needs a season where they can plan for it to turn over into the movies. And so actors such as Robert Picardo and Jewel State can have time to flesh out their characters. It needs a season so that fans can acclimate to a new show. I find myself wanting a conclusion to the television series before changing formats in such a radical way. It's one of the big things that I'm going to miss is more character development for Woolsey. I um, was so so excited when Picardo came over and now it's like it's kind of like feels like Esri Dax from Deep Space Nine you know she's hasn't had very very much time to shine but you know we've got we've got the movies Quaid 1 I'm not that excited about Universe anymore the worst part of the new spinoff is that there is no lead up 
SG-1 spent a year leading up to the Atlantis spinoff, which made it hugely successful. I hope they bring some Atlantis or maybe SG-1 cast to universe. Put Major Lorne in charge. If they plan on launching a new show with no lead-up or cast crossover, they are going to have a very rocky first season. I'd actually love to see some cast crossover. We got McKay, who had been in three episodes of SG-1. Um, I'd love to see somebody even a little bit more prominent like Lorne. I don't know how, how Kevin would do as a lead actor if they're looking to cast a name actor in, the, in one of the leads, but I'd love mm-hmm. to see Lorne on the team. I would love to see Major Davis. Hmm. Um, uh, Colin Cunningham. I've always been a big fan of him. You know, he's a recognizable face. No one had too much to say against him. I think he would make a great addition. I, I hope they bring someone over. I doubt they will, but I hope so. Yeah. Jedi Master Braytac writes, My feelings on Stargate Universe have gone from cautious optimism to pessimistic skepticism. As soon as I heard words like darker tone, space-based, and younger audience, my enthusiasm slowly faded. I hate Battlestar Galactica due to its darkness, and I find one of the most appealing things about Stargate is its lightheartedness and humor. If you take away this, you take away the spirit of Stargate. That's a compelling argument, and uh, I think it has a lot of merit. I think a lot of some people think that the reason to make another TV show is basically to make another TV show, to make another Stargate, but I think that the greater reason is to make something different. Mm. And you have to have something different, otherwise people won't tune in. I know a lot of people who started watching Atlanta said, this is too much like SG-1 and left. And I think it's important to shake things up a bit. You know, otherwise, what's the reason for making a new one if it's going to be the same thing over and over and over again, you know? Yeah, but Jedi Master Braytac does talk about Stargate's lightheartedness and humor. And humor in Stargate, I think, is especially one of its, one of its core values that I hope it never loses. And Sparky13 says, Many people have commented negatively about Stargate Universe being directed at a younger audience. Trying to reach that demographic isn't necessarily a bad thing, but the biggest turnoff to watching Stargate Universe will be the threat that I might end up liking it or even loving it like I do Atlantis, and then having it canceled as well. Uh, we saved this letter for last because I think it's, it's a great insight. And you know, Sparky, welcome to television. This is what we as fans have to put up with all the time. Networks canceling the shows that we love. But uh, Atlantis, we got, we got five great years and a lot, of, a lot of interesting stories and a lot of really wonderful characters that I hope will continue on with us. You know, cancellation is part of TV viewing, unfortunately. Yeah, and you know, we're mourning Atlantis, but we still haven't seen more than like four-fifths of it. You know, there's a lot left to watch. Well, thanks to everyone for writing in and calling in. Here's this week's listener question. Tell us what you think of Friday's new episode, Whispers. And specifically, what we want to hear from you is, does Stargate do the horror genre well? Or do out-of-the-box episodes like Wormhole Extreme or 200 just not feel enough like Stargate? Give us a call on the GateWorld podcast hotline at 616-712-1647 and leave us a voicemail. Or you can always post on the podcast feedback thread over at GateWorld Forum. Coming up on the podcast, of course, next week we'll talk about Whispers, followed by The Queen on September 16th. And in the September 23rd episode of the podcast, we'll talk about Tracker. Thanks for joining us for this week's podcast. In this episode, we talked about the cancellation of Stargate Atlantis, the green light for Universe, and, of course, the state of the franchise. We also previewed our interview with actor Chuck Campbell. For links to everything that we talked about today, look for the episode number nine, show notes. 
From GateWorld.net, this is Darren Sumner. And I'm David Reed. And you've been listening to the GateWorld Podcast.